All right. Well, it's good to see everybody here and certainly enjoy to be in the Lord's house today. And uh, do a couple of uh, things I had forgotten to mention uh, earlier. Uh, first of all, um, we have some new prayer cards uh, for the Douglases. And uh, these are Michael and Ruth Douglas, the, the children of uh, the son and daughter-in-law of uh, uh, the Douglases here in our church. And they're missionaries down to Brazil. And uh, if you would like to get a new prayer card, they're back there on the back. Lord willing, they're going to be in town during Christmas time, I'm assuming, time uh, around that time. So hopefully they'll get a chance to come by here and we'll get a chance to see them in a little bit. But uh, we do have those new prayer cards. They're back on the table if you'd like to get some of those. And good to have Brent's sister. I failed to mention you earlier, but good to have her uh, with us here today. And certainly a joy to have her in the... And, and that's your, is that your sister or Nita's sister? Your sister, okay. So... Uh, it's just all one big family, that's all. It's just, uh, they... Oh, there you go, there you go. <laughs> so, happy birthday to Fletcher, too, by the way. And uh, certainly a joy to have you all in the service. And we thank the Lord for that. But uh, good to have you here with us today. Certainly a joy to have you here. And uh, then, if you will, I got a text just between Sunday School and Church. My aunt and uncle out in Albuquerque, New Mexico... Um, just texted me and said that they uh, have been diagnosed with COVID, and so if you will keep them in prayer. And uh, it's Uncle, my uh, uncle James and Aunt Debbie. And uh, if you will continue uh, to pray for a lot of our folks, we think of uh, the Kurtmans and uh, the loss of one of their sons, and their other son is uh, still battling uh, COVID. Uh, I'm sorry. He's yeah. He, he is he home? Okay. So uh, we heard Wednesday he had a good turn. Uh, which was a blessing, and so now it's good to hear that he's home, and we praise the Lord for that. And uh, so continue to pray for that family, and of course the church up there, uh, they had a lot of folks that got it, and uh, prayed that God will continue to bless there. And uh, then tomorrow uh, at about 1 o'clock or so, um, if there are any of you folks available that would be willing to help us, we, uh, Brother Jim and I, uh, were going to, we met last week, we're going to put a ramp out at the front door here, uh, to make it a little easier, our ramp on the side is starting to get kind of rough shape, and we thought it'd be a little more convenient to have it there at the front door. And so we're going to put a ramp in out there, and we went to go buy a couple of boards, just a few of them. And I'm one of those fellows that can't pass up a deal. And so we got there, and if you pulled in the driveway, you noticed a lumber yard out here in the side of the church. Uh, we got a deal. So um, we're going to do a couple things tomorrow at about 1 o'clock. Uh, we're going to start taking out the old ramp over here, and we need some, fo some folks that can just come, and uh, we'll be careful, but we need to be able to take that apart, disassemble it, and, and get it taken care of and disposed. I also need some help organizing. We, we got it on Wednesday night, all that lumber next door, and uh, we just had time to basically pull it off the truck, and it's just laying there in a jumble, so we need to sort it, stack it, make sure we don't waste uh, the, the lumber there. And uh, then, uh, Lord willing, we'll be beginning on the ramp. What I'd like to do this afternoon, if you don't mind, and I think Brother Jim brought a board with him today if you're out there, uh, is those of you that would make use of that ramp, if you can, uh, we are trying to decide where to, we're going to put a, a central handrail up the ramp down the middle of it, and we need to know where to position that as far as distance from the door out on the outside. So those of you that would make use of that, um, if you can maybe kind of, he'll be kind of hanging around back there by the door after this service. Um, if you can kind of go back there and take a look and give your recommendation of, of distance, what would be helpful for you. Uh, we want to put it in a way that is helpful and not in the way. Uh, so we don't want to get it too close to the doors and 
so if you can help us with that, that would be a great help. And uh, we'll be working on that this week and hopefully have that ready by next Sunday. And um, so pray that God will bless. We're trying to get a couple things tidied up here in the, in the next few weeks before the end of the year and uh, try to get our ramp out here in better shape and condition. We'll get the ramp part taken out. We're just going to put some steps in over here since we'll have the ramp out front now. So uh, pray that God will bless there. And if you're available uh, after about 1 o'clock tomorrow, we could use probably four or five folks that would be willing to come and uh, help us move some things around, take the old ramp down, some of that kind of thing. All right? Wow, all that. And now we're ready. So uh, sir, it is good to be here this morning. And uh, let's take our Bibles and turn to Psalm 100. Psalm 100. And uh, once you find your place there, uh, turn over with me to Psalm 146. And hold your place in Psalm 100. We'll be back there in just a moment here. Psalm 146. I've been spending the uh, last few weeks, since uh, about a week before Thanksgiving, some time in the Psalms again. And uh, I love every time I go through them. Uh, for a long time in my life, I made it a practice to read one Psalm a day. And uh, from time to time throughout my life, I've gone back to that and worked my way through the Psalms again. And. Um, I want to encourage you, if you'll take the opportunity to read one psalm a day, it'll, it'll do a world of good for your heart. Um, you could do it in about a half a year. Uh, when you get through, uh, you get to Psalm 119, it's got 176 verses in it. They're broken down in eight verse, they call them octets, uh, eight verse increments. And um, you can read one of those eight verse sections a day for until you work your way through Psalm 119. And it brings you through about a half a year to do that, uh, to go through the entire Psalms. And uh, it certainly will be a wonderful, uh, the, the first few times I did it, uh, boy, what a joy it was to my heart. And every time I do it, it's, it's just amazing. And it helps us to get our eyes upon the Lord, uh, just to see Him for who He really is. This week has been an unusual week. It's been a very burdensome week, and, uh, but it's been a very, uh, very blessed week. And, you know, I was talking to somebody before the service, uh, the Sunday school hour this morning, and even though it's been a heavy week, the weeks where God shows himself strong, uh, I love that song, Jesus Loves Me, this I know, I know it's a kid's song and we sing it in Sunday school, but there's a great truth of theology, and it gets to the place in that song where it says, I am weak, but he is strong. And, you know, the truth of the matter is, that is the case. We are weak. In fact, Paul uh, asked the Lord to uh, deliver him from a messenger of Satan, a thorn in the flesh. And God told him, he said, my grace is sufficient for thee. And he makes this statement to Paul. He said, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And uh, I'm thankful for God's grace this week. We uh, were sitting at the bedside of Miss Pammy for a few days this week. And all oh, the grace that God brought, the joy to the hearts, and even in the midst of sorrow, and uh, those of you that have been there, you understand that and how God gives grace, unusual grace. And uh, it was a joy to uh, be there in, in that presence as we rejoiced and talked about all the things that God had done in her life and, um, and the things we have to look forward to. I don't know about you all, I'm getting excited about getting to heaven. And aren't you glad you're saved this morning on your way to heaven? And uh, I'll tell you what, uh, if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, by the way, let me help you with something. Not everybody goes to heaven, contrary to what the world would have you believe. The Bible says, and Jesus said it this way, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's only one way to get to heaven, and that is by putting our faith 
in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. What He did for us on Calvary, that He died on a cross for our sins. He didn't die for what He did. He died for what we did. And He was buried and He rose again on the third day. And uh, He paid the price that you and I could not pay. And He gives us freely. He gives us eternal life. But the condition is we have to put our faith in Him. We've got to trust Him. We've got to, we've got to say, Lord, I'm not trying to get to heaven by what I've done. I'm getting to heaven solely by what you have done for me. And, and if you've never done that before, the greatest decision you'll ever make in your life. And by the way, until you make that decision, you're not on your way to heaven. In fact, the Bible tells us in the book of John, chapter number 3, that he that believeth not is condemned already. You say, Brother Greg, that's a harsh thing to say. But the truth is, the Bible teaches us, and this isn't my opinion, this is what the Bible says, that we don't have to do one thing to go to hell. Uh, we do, if, if we believe not, we're already headed there. The Bible teaches that very clearly. We don't have to do anything to go to hell. Uh, we're headed that way. We cannot save ourselves. There's not a thing we can do. Ephesians says, For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. God gives it to us freely. And uh, I've heard a number, of, a number of times over the years I've, Worked with people, in fact, even in the last year or so, I've had probably a, a half a dozen folks that I have shared the gospel with and tried to show them that their uh, need of putting their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I've heard them say, well, I'm just not good enough, or I need to get my life cleaned up. I can't, I'm not there yet. I'm not, I'm not worthy of it. And the truth is, that's exactly where you need to be. You need to be at a place where you don't deserve it. If you think you deserve it, then you're trusting your works. You're trusting what you have done. You've got to be at a place where you say, I don't deserve it. Otherwise, God doesn't give us grace. Grace is an unmerited favor. It's, a, it's something God puts on us that we don't deserve. A lot of times people ask me, in fact, I was at uh, Dunkin' Donuts yesterday, which is not unusual. They recognize my voice now over the drive through And when I go, amen, Brother Brent, amen, we, yes. I pulled up there yesterday and I said, I'd like to have an extra large coffee, cream, and sugar. It was early in the morning. I had to make a road trip yesterday and... I said, I'd like to get an extra large coffee, cream, and, or I know, I said, I'd like to get an extra large coffee, and I paused, and she said, five cream, five sugar, right? <laughs> she, she already knew what I needed. And, um, but um, I don't even know what I was going to say about that, but uh, Dunkin' Donut coffee is good. <laughs> what was I talking about before that? Uh, we don't even know, do we? Grace, grace, yes. What was I talking about about grace? Unmerited favor. Do what? What was it? Donuts, we forgot everything. I, I'll think of it in a minute. I got so wrapped. Man, you get me talking about Dunkin' Donut coffee. That's not a good thing. Uh, but um, I'll think of it in a minute. I can't remember what I was going after on that. There was a, Man, it was a good illustration, too. It would have driven home a great point. We get to heaven, we'll, we'll remember what that is. And, uh, you know, God is good. He, he doesn't let us say things that might not be the right thing to say sometimes. So hopefully, maybe he kept us from something there. I'll think of it here in a minute, but... Um, Anyway, God is so good, isn't He? And His grace is unmerited favor. Uh, we don't deserve it, and yet we get it anyway. And uh, I'll tell you, it's a wonderful thing to put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the only way to get to heaven. The only way to get to heaven. And um, if you've never done that before, let me encourage you. You need to do it. You need to do it as soon as you can, because we do not have the guarantee of another day. We read in uh, Matthew last week, and uh, I think it was, um, 
I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was during the Olivet Discourse in Matthew 24, I believe is the location of it. And it talked about the bridegroom coming. And he came at midnight. And some people were ready and some people were not ready. And the Bible says that when he went into the celebration of the bridegroom where he took the, the bride and he went into the place that the door was shut. And there came some people that were not ready and they knocked on the door and said, let us in. And he said, I cannot. You weren't ready. The door's already shut. And can I tell you this, that God used that as an illustration. It was a story that was told in the Scripture just to let us know that once, once Christ comes for His people or once we go through death, it's too late. It's too late. The door has been shut at that point. We must make that decision for Christ while there's yet day, while there's still time, while we still have life. And if you've never done that before, I would encourage you to do that and get that matter settled before it's eternally too late. There is no greater decision you'll ever make in your life than to trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. And what a joy that is. Uh, Psalm 146, if you will. And uh, I was uh, spending some time this week over uh, with Miss Joanne Clark and, um, and uh, dealing with Pam and everything that was going on over there. And we began to talk about just some of the goodness of God, just some of the amazing riches of His grace. And uh, the fact that He gives to different people different graces and different amounts of grace. James talks about the fact that He gives more grace. So when you're in time of need, the grace is there. And uh, the often, oftentimes we uh, think, well, uh, that person, you know, we were watching Miss Pam as she was going through some things, and we thought, that, boy, if, if the Lord just would be gracious and go ahead and take her because she was suffering. And uh, Miss Joanne said, you know, I don't understand that. And I said, but God has given her grace that He hasn't given you. And isn't it amazing that God gives to each person the grace that is needed and it's always sufficient. He told Paul, he said, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my grace is made perfect in weakness. And we got to talking about the things of the Lord. And uh, we just got excited about... Uh, I, we, were, we got talking. I shared this in Sunday school this morning. We got talking about the fact that we get to spend all of eternity, eternity. Do you know how long that is? That's a long time. Uh, you know, sometimes people talk about 10,000 years will just be started, you know, or, uh, you know, and when we sing Amazing Grace, we talk about thousands of years. When we've been there, 10,000 years. Uh, the truth is there won't be time in heaven. Eternity is never ending. And the Bible teaches us that we're going to spend an eternity praising God. You ever thought about that? I, I got to thinking on that this, this uh, last week with Miss Joanne. I was talking with her about it. When I was younger, I used to think, and I shared this in Sunday school, so if you all heard, heard it again, you just get a repeat here for a second. Uh, but here's the amazing thing. We, we are so, our minds are so small <laughs> when it comes to thinking about God. Uh, we, we, just, we do not understand Him in His true form and all that He is. And, and so uh, there was a time when I was younger that I used to think, you know, after a while, I'm going to get tired of praising God. If that's all I do all day long, every day, I mean, all, I mean, for eternity, I mean, we get tired of things. Even things we love to do, if we do too much of it, eventually we get tired of it and it, it's, it loses its excitement. You remember that? Remember when you were a kid and you wanted that big shiny object? And I mean, your life just hinged on the fact that mom and dad was going to get you that or not get you that. And uh, you got it finally and boy, you wore it out. But eventually you got to kind of push it off to the wayside because you got bored with it, you got tired with it. And I remember thinking as a younger person, Lord, I'm going to get bored. If all we're going to do is praise you for eternity, I'm going to get bored with that. 
I, I, I mean, I'll praise you as much as I know to praise you, and then when I get done, I'm going to have to start all over and do it again, and then do it again, and do it again, and I'll have to do that for eternity. And then a thought hit me here a while back. We're thinking too small of God. When it comes to praising Him for eternity, I don't think we're going to be repetitive. I believe that God is so great and so big that every time we praise Him, it'll be something new. There's, he's inexhaustible. And, and I think so many times we think too small of God. We try to put Him in our mindset and in our thought process. The truth is, He's, he's magnificent. He's, he's all-powerful. He, he's, I mean, God stepped out. Think about this. You ever look out into, into the vastness of space? You ever hear the scientists talk about how big space is? And the Bible, the psalmist said this, he holds the heavens in the palm of his hand. The vastness of space. And by the way, that wasn't a unit of measurement. That was a, an illustration to, to say that God was limitless. Even that statement was not a true statement in the effect of it being literal because it, it, it really would limit God then. At some point, then it would get big enough that he couldn't handle it. What he was trying to show there was there is no limit to God. He's infinite. And here's the amazing truth behind that. You say, why are you telling me that, Brother Greg? Because I'm not. I'm small. To be real honest with you, in comparison to God, if we were to look at it in human terms, I am insignificant. And by the way, so are you. And this is the amazing truth. God being who He is, and me being who I am, it amazes me that he looks down at this insignificant human and says, I love you with all of my heart. Wow. What a truth. He loved me enough that when I messed up, when I created a mess of my life, when I sinned, when I deserved and earned death and hell, he said, I'm going to pay that price for him. So he doesn't have to do it. That's the amazing truth. What an amazing God. Uh, we got talking on it this week, and we got so excited. We were sitting there uh, early in the morning, Friday morning, for four or five hours waiting on people to get there and to do the things that they needed to do. And we just we were rejoicing. We were, we were talking and smiling and laughing and thinking of all the things that Pam is doing today that she's never been able to do in her life. To be in the, in, the, in the presence of Jesus. Could you imagine? To be in the presence of Almighty God. Could you imagine that? I sit here this morning. I'm envious of her. And to think that God loved me. What an amazing truth. By the way, He loves you too. The Bible says He loves me so much and He's so much concerned about me that He knows the number of the hairs on my head. And with me, that's a challenge. It varies greatly from day to day. But he knows. The Bible says if a sparrow cannot fall from the heavens without him knowing it. Can you imagine how much more important you are to God than a sparrow? I heard somebody say it this way, and I shared this the other night in church on Wednesday night, I think it was. God didn't die for the birds. He loves them, but he didn't die for them. He died for you and me. If God is that concerned about a sparrow, don't you think He's that concerned about you? What an amazing God. 
That was all for free. That's not our message. Let's go. Let's look in Psalm 146, and we're going to take a few moments here. The, the last five Psalms of the Bible, as listen, Brother Paulie preach on this topic the other day, and I didn't realize this, and he shared some facts. I'm going to share some of them with you. I think they're great facts about this. I never noticed this in Scripture. But the last five uh, Psalms that are in the Psalms uh, deal with the idea of praising the Lord. Uh, they're known as the Hallelujah Psalms. I never knew that, but they are. They're known as the Hallelujah Psalms. And the reason for that is this. They're, they're, and by the way, the word hallelujah is a Bible word. We put an H in front of it in, our, in, in modern language and we call it, say hallelujah. But hallelujah is a Bible word. And uh, the, it's interesting to, to note this, that I, I began to wonder, well, why did... Uh, because the, the phrase that is used in these last five uh, psalms was in, in Hebrew was the word hallelujah, yet the King James translators under the guidance of the Holy Spirit... Uh, we're able to translate this correctly in our King James Bible as praise the Lord. But there are some times in Scripture that it remained untranslated and they kept the word hallelujah there. And I began to wonder on that. I thought, why is it that there were times in the Scripture where they did translate it to praise the Lord, which is, which is what it means, and then other times they chose to keep it in its, in its original language and as I began to look through it, I think this is the reason, and, and if I'm, you can check me, I've, the ones I looked at, it seemed to be the reason, that there, was, there were times in Scripture where there was an ex, exclamation of emotion, and during those portions of Scripture, it was left untranslated. It was left to be, hallelujah, and it was an expression of emotion. The times that it was translated by the King James translators, it seems to me, were because it was by way of instruction of what we were to do. And they wanted to make sure that in our English language we understood clearly this is to be praising the Lord. And so we get to, you get to Psalm 146, and I love this. Look with me. Verse number 1, Praise ye the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. By the way, look at the end of Psalm 146. What is the last phrase in Psalm 146? Praise ye the Lord. Look at Psalm 147. Praise ye the Lord. <laughs> you see that? Look at the very last verse in Psalm 147. What's the last phrase? Praise ye the Lord. We'll look at 148. Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Praise ye Him, all His angels. Praise ye Him, all His hosts. Praise ye Him, the sun, moon. Uh, sun, sun, moon. Praise Him. Are, are we getting the idea here? Look at the end of Psalm 148. Praise ye the Lord. Look at Psalm 149. Praise ye the Lord. Look at the beginning of Psalm 149. The end of Psalm 149. Praise ye the Lord. Look at Psalm 150. Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in the firmament of His power. Praise, ye, praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with the psaltery and harp. Praise Him with the timbrel and dance. Praise Him with stringed instruments and organs. Praise Him upon the loud cymbals. Praise Him upon the high-sounding cymbals. Let everything, notice this, that hath breath, praise the Lord, praise ye the Lord. Do you find kind of a, a theme going on here? It's interesting to me. I've made this observation a number of times in Scripture. When God says something once, He means it, obviously. That's all it should take for God. But he knows our human minds need that repetitiveness. How many of you are parents? How many parents we got in the room? 
As your kids became teenagers, they lost their hearing, didn't they? You could tell them something one time, and you knew they weren't going to hear it. I was a youth pastor for a number of years. I learned very early on, you cannot make an announcement of a youth uh, activity or a youth event one time. In fact, to be real frank with you, even after 10 or 15 times, it still wasn't enough. I found out I had to go to the parents because the kids, when they turn uh, teenagers, they lose their hearing. In fact, they lose their brains, I think, for a while, and then they get them back later on. And, uh, you know, we, we laugh about that. But the truth of the fact is, if something is said one time, God means it. And by the way, that ought to be enough for you and I. Amen? It, it really ought. There was a song written years ago, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. And my dad got a hold of that one time. He said, you know what, that's not a true statement. If God said it, it doesn't matter if I believe it or not. It's still settled. Because whatever God says to be true is true. And if God came and He says something one time, it's, it's intended. He wants us to do it. If He says it two times, He really means it. He does it, by the way, He doesn't do it because He forgot that He said it before and He just had to put it in there again. He, he's not like we as humans who forget what we say sometimes and we repeat. He's not like us humans who forget what we say sometimes and then repeat. He's not that way. He does not do it for His benefit. He does it for our benefit. He was saying, listen, I don't want you to miss this. You find a place of Scripture where over and over and over and over and over and over again, he makes the same statement to us. You better mark it down. This is important. Don't miss this. Praise you the Lord. We live in a world where we have, in my opinion, we have a lot of Christians that go around and name the name of Christ, but if you ever talk to them, if you ever listen to them, they're, they're always talking about, woe is me. Why not say, great is he? We already know we're, we're, we already know we're small. That is not the case. We don't need to be focused on ourselves. We need to be focused on Him. Because even though I am small, even though I am insignificant, even though circumstances in my life do bring me down, He is far above those things. And there's something to be said about praising the Lord. Look with me in Psalm 146 again. I want you to see something here that I think is a great, great truth. In Psalm 146, He makes this statement, and we're going to read the first three of them. Praise you, the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. And by the way, I love that word, O, again. There... I've talked about this so often, the, the expression of emotion. Uh, I heard a preacher say it this way this week. I was listening to him. He said this. He said, uh, oh, is more of a groan than it is a word. You ever thought about that? It's, it's almost the expression of, I'm so overwhelmed by this. I just, I, I want to say something, but words are failing me. And so the only way I can express it is, oh, praise you, the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, my soul, while I live, while I pray, will I praise the Lord. I will sing praises unto my God. I will have any, I, I, while I have any being, I will do this, he says. In verse number 3, put not your trust in princes, nor in the Son of Man, in whom there is no help. This idea of praising God while I have breath and while I have being. I was reading uh, the Treasury of David, some of the, in the Treasury of David this week, 
uh, with uh, Spurgeon, and he came across a fellow by the name of John Janeway. John Janeway was a dear Christian fellow, and he was on his deathbed. And on his deathbed, there were those that were loved ones gathered around him, and he made this exclamation. This is his quote that this man said. He was there with the people around him, and he said, Come help me with praises, yet all is too little. Come help me, all ye mighty and glorious angels, who are so skilled in the heavenly work of praise. I will sing as long as my breath doth last. And when I have none, I shall do it better. Oh, praise the Lord. In this life, we ought to be praising God, but can you imagine what it's going to be like when we get to heaven? Hold your place here for a moment in Psalm 146. We're going to come back to that. I know I got, you got, you're going to need more fingers here probably because we haven't even made it to Psalm 100 yet. And I know what's coming, and I'm already excited about it. Isaiah chapter number 6, if you will. Look with me. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and His train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face. With twain he covered his feet. And with twain he did fly. Notice this. Their, their entire existence, their whole purpose of being there. In verse 3, And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. The post of the door moved at the voice of Him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. This wasn't the voice of God that was speaking. This is the voice of the seraphims that were speaking. And they're saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of God of hosts. They were surrounding the throne. They were covering their face because of the holiness of God. And I'm talking about angels who are created beings who have not sinned. And yet in the presence of God, cover their face. And in the presence of God, cover their feet. And they fly around the throne. And they say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. And that is the, that is the, uh, that is the uh, entirety of their purpose. What an amazing thought. Praise ye the Lord, the Bible says. Look back in Psalm 146 and verse 3. And I think this is a critical point in this. The psalmist dealing with this idea of praising the Lord says this in verse 3. Put not your trust in princes, nor in the Son of Man, in whom there is... Notice this. What are the next two words? No, no help. Don't put your trust in man. He's not going to help you. I heard uh, Scott Pauley said this about this verse. He said this. He said, when it deals about not putting your trust in man, that means don't put your trust in man. But when it says don't put your trust in princes, he said don't even put your trust in the best of men. You know why? Because the psalmist said there is no help. No help. Look with me in verse 5. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob. I like this. He doesn't call him the God of Israel. He uses Jacob's name before it was changed. Jacob, the trickster, the one that wrestled with God. The one that was imperfect and yet clung to Christ. What an amazing thought. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his what? Help. We don't trust in man because he is no help. But we trust in God 
because He is our help. You ever thought of that? What amazing truth. Now, that's all introduction. Let's look at our message in Psalm 100. Psalm 100, look with me. The psalmist writes, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. By the way, he doesn't say make a beautiful noise. I've heard people say, Well, I don't sing because I can't sing. doesn't matter. Lift up your voice. Praise ye the Lord. The Bible says in Isaiah, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. We ought to be telling people about the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm so sick and tired of Christians going around all day long and under their breath saying, I'm a Christian. Going into restaurants and and they, they have to drop the napkin on the floor so they can pray on the way down to get it and stand back up so people don't see them praying. Can I tell you this? I'm, a, I'm Christian. I'm saved. I've trusted Christ as my Savior. And, and I want to wave the banner high. I'm proud of the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ looked down from heaven. And I look at, at, at the, the, the wonderment of God. And I'm, I, I don't have pride in myself, but I have pride in Him and who He is. And I want the whole world to know about Him. I, I want them to see that here was a, a lowly sinner named Greg down here who had a life that was insignificant, that there was this magnificent God in heaven inexhaustible and infinite, that looked down and said, I love Him, and I want to do something to help pay the price for His sin. I want people to know that. There's a song that's sung around this time of year, Go Tell It on the Mountain. Can I tell you, that ought not be a Christmas song. That ought to be the theme of our song throughout the year. That ought to be the song on our lips. Praise ye the Lord. Go tell people about Him. Walk out of these doors. It ought to be such a thing that when we come into God's presence, we go rushing out of it for the first person we can find to say, let me tell you, I was just in the presence of the great King. And let me tell you what I got from Him today. I'm talking about praising God. And I mean, we need a revival of it. Amen? We need people that will open their mouths and say, I believe there is a God in heaven. Unless we don't. Do we not believe? Do we not trust Him that way? Maybe we do, but maybe we don't think about it a whole lot. The psalmist says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Notice this, all ye lands. It's interesting to me that in Psalm 150, he talks about praising the Lord, and he lists about 12 or so instruments there. I was reading somewhere, I think it was, or I might have been listening to a message on it, and I was reading some things about that. And the fact is, there are, there are instruments that are listed in Psalm 150 that were not the, the normal instruments for the nation of Israel. It's interesting that the psalmist here was saying, listen, I don't care who you are or where you're from, whatever you have in your hand, praise the Lord with it. Serve the Lord all your lands, not just the nation of Israel. God is good to all of us. God has given salvation freely to all of us. So we go out amongst our, our fellow humans and we say, Listen, there's a great God in heaven that loves you. And oh, I want you to know about Him. I got so excited this week. I was sitting over there at the house and we were talking about heaven and how big God is and how great God is. And I'll be honest with you, I got overwhelmed. I came in this morning. There were people here early before Sunday school. I said, My heart is full. It's to the place where it's overflowing. I had to take a road trip yesterday. I was listening to some preaching on the way across through some of the farmland and, and uh, just enjoying and hearing some good preaching. And Boy, I got so moved. I turned the radio off and I began to sing some songs and hymns. And it wasn't long before the tears were streaming down my face. 
And my heart was full. And I thought, why can't we live this way all the time? We ought to be praising God everywhere we go. Get up on the rooftops. Get up on the mountaintops. Wave the banner high. Don't be ashamed of it. Lift it up and say, what a great God we serve. Praise you the Lord. Praise Him with every breath that we have as long as we have existence. And when our breath fails, we'll praise Him better. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. By the way, you ever notice this? When God, when we have God in His rightful place, when our hearts are full, our service to God is always with gladness. You ever met somebody that serves begrudgingly? Oh, boy. Yeah, I'm ser- boy, I tell you, I'm really serving the Lord, Pastor. I paid the price. Where's the joy in serving? I read of a martyr this week. I can't remember the name of the martyr. But he was worried that while he was burning at the stake, that the other believers watching would think that in the time of crisis, he would abandon God and his mind would go far from him. And he said, this is the way you'll go. He said, while I am in the flame, I will open my mouth. And I will praise God until the end so you know that He has been good to me through the end of it. And he went to the flame and he opened his mouth and through the taking of his own life, praised the Lord through it that others may know how great their God is. I don't have to go through a fire. Do I open my mouth? I don't have to die a martyr's death. Do I praise Him so that men know how great of a God I have? Come before His presence the same. I said this in Sunday school. Spurgeon said, we praise Him with sighs now. We sigh and praise Him now. One of these days we get to heaven, we'll begin to sing and to praise Him. Come before His presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. I want you to notice something in verse number 4. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving, and into His courts with what? Look at this. Watch this. In the temple, in the tabernacle, When you came into the courtyard, you had to go through the gates. When you got into the court, and then then you draw near to that holy place, then the high priest would offer those incense. The closer they got to the holy of holies, they would offer more incense, more praise. And by the way, the incense in Scripture was a, a picture of their praises and their prayers going to heaven. Can I tell you this? The psalmist says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. You ever notice this? The closer we get to the presence of God, the more prone we are to praise Him. And the further we drift from His presence, the less prone we are to praise Him. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Be thankful. 
unto Him and what? Bless His name. Why? You say, but Brother Greg, I, I just don't know what I can praise Him for. Well, the psalmist gives us three things right here. I want you to see them real quick and we'll be done. The psalmist gives us three things that we can always be thankful for. The first one we find, for the Lord is what? The Lord is good. It doesn't say He does good things. It says He is good. It's part of who He is. When was the last time we thanked God? When, we, when was the last time we praised Him for His goodness? By the way, you ever notice this? I don't care what the circumstance in life comes your way. God is always good. And God is always right. There's never a time, there's never a circumstance that comes into your life that God sits up in heaven and says, oh, I messed up there. Not one. He's always good. He is always right. Come before His presence with singing, Know ye that the Lord, He is God, it is He that hath made us, not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving, into His course with praise. This idea of being a sheep. <laughs> you ever thought of that? Over and over and over again, the Bible refers to us as sheep. Isaiah talks about it. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. You know the picture of a sheep and a shepherd in Scripture oftentimes helps us to understand. In our human minds, we begin to see God for who He is. We begin to see ourselves for who we are. I am weak, but He is strong. I am foolish, but He is wise. I am small, but He is mighty. It's amazing to see as we get along in life, as we draw closer to Him and we walk in His presence, that the closer we get, the more we want to praise Him. Why? Because we begin to see His goodness. The Lord, He is good. Notice the Bible says this, His mercy is what? <laughs> Aren't we glad of that? What do we deserve? We committed our sins. We deserve to pay for them, don't we? If God sent every single one of us to hell, He would not be an unjust God. You know that? Nobody could look and say He was unfair. Because the truth is, we deserved it, don't we? I don't know why the world looks at that and says, well, God, I, I'll tell you, he, he shouldn't be sending everybody to hell. Oh, yes, He should. He's a just God. We shouldn't have been the ones to sin. That's the problem. The problem is not His justice. It's not His holiness. The problem is our depravity and our sinfulness. He is a just God. He is a holy God. I'm thankful, though, He's also a merciful God. He gives His mercy. Over and over and over again. The Bible teaches us that if it were not for His mercies, we would be consumed every day. You ever thought of that? Every single day I do something that would cause a just God to say, Greg deserves the payment for his sin. And He would be right and He would be fair in doing that. But He is a merciful God. 
And the psalmist said, it doesn't just last for a moment. It doesn't just last a few times. But the psalmist said, His mercy is everlasting. He gets to the end of all of the psalms that he wrote. He says, praise ye the Lord. <laughs> praise ye the Lord. Brother Greg, I don't know what I can praise Him for. Praise Him for who He is. You say, well, he, I, just, I can't see a lot of things He's doing in my life right now. Then praise Him for His goodness. Praise Him for His mercy. Say, He didn't consume you today. By the way, how many of you are still breathing? Yeah, that's a gift to God. There's a reason that He said, let all that have breath, let everything that hath breath, praise the Lord. Why? Because it's a gift of God just to have the breath that we have. The Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. Notice this. And His truth, what? Endureth to all generations. Forever, O Lord, Thy Word is settled in heaven. Boy, I sure wish I knew where truth was, Pastor. It's right here. You can mark it down. By the way, didn't we read something about that earlier? We're not to put our trust in princes. We're not to put our trust in men because they are no help. We are to put our trust in Him. Why? Because His truth endureth forever. God is light, the Bible says, and in Him is no darkness. And not only does He say there in Him is no darkness, the Bible goes on to say in Him is no darkness at all. His truth is perfect. Turn with me to Psalm, 109, or Psalm 19 for a moment. Psalm 19. Now look at this. By the way, I love how much the psalmist loves the Word of God. Isn't that amazing? Psalm 119. If you get an opportunity to read in Psalm 119, you get to read and look for how much is said about the Word of God, the judgments of God, the testimonies of God, the law of God, all of it dealing with God's Word. Look with me in Psalm 19 for a moment. Verse number 7. The law of the Lord is what? What is it? It's perfect. Well, Brother Greg, I mean, there may be some truth to that. No, no, no. When it comes to Scripture, it is all truth. And it is all perfect. And it is all right. Why? Because it came from a perfect God. And His truth endureth. It endureth. Not just for a generation. Not just for a millennium. But it endureth to all generations. Notice this. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is what? Sure. It's sure. Making wise and simple. Look at this. Verse 8. The statutes of the Lord are what? Right. Rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is what? Pure. Enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous. Amen. For people to sit back and criticize the fact that God judges sin is for us to say He's not true and He's not righteous. The judgments of God are true. They are righteous. And whether we like it or not, they are fair. And then He gives us His love and mercy. Wow! Praise ye the Lord. If it were an expression of emotion, I would say hallelujah. 
If it's me trying to tell us what we're supposed to do based on what God's Word said, I would tell you, praise ye the Lord. But everything that hath breath, praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Look with me, verse number 4. I love this. More to be... I, I was in the car singing yesterday, and this verse came to mind. This, this verse, this verse 10 came to mind. And I began to pray this to God. I said, Lord, more to be desired are they, the things of Your Word. This book that I hold in my hand, more to be desired is it than gold. Yea, than much fine gold. And sweet, oh my. It's sweeter than honey. And the honeycomb. I've recently dealt with the issue of living a revived life. I don't, I don't want to live an average, mundane Christian life. I want to live a life that is thriving and vibrant. And I want the joy of God in my life. And I want the presence of God in my life. And I want the power of God working in my life. I want God doing something in my life. I don't want to just get up every morning and breathe in the good air and breathe out the bad and go to bed at night and say, well, I'm saved. I want God to do something every day in my life. I want Him to show Himself strong in my life every day. We get to the end of our day, there ought to be something good about us. And we talked about living the revived life recently. Can I encourage you in this? That praise is the essence of a revived heart. You ever try to praise God for a few minutes and have your heart not be stirred and changed? Not be excited about the things of the Lord? You ever tried that? Praise happens to be the thing that causes the heart to be revived. To be strengthened. I'm not afraid. We, we, we as Baptists, we've... we've, we've tried to shy away from praise because there's so many churches out here that everything they do about praising God is, is all about praising man, really. I found this to be true in my life that in my case, and it may not be the same in yours, oftentimes when I praise God, the tears begin to stream down these cheeks. The heart is so full. I, I, I try to express what, I'm, what I know I'm feeling inside and words fail. We stumble and bumble over trying to express it to somebody and trying to explain what's going on in here. That's praise. So much so that the psalmist said, Praise the Lord, oh, my soul. Oh, my soul. I don't want to tap in my foot from a praise worship team. I don't want the wow of my mind by smoke and lights. I want God's Holy Spirit to do something in here that causes me to say, Oh, praise the Lord. It's the essence of a revived heart. And can I tell you this? It's an expression 
of our faith. You can't praise God if our faith is weak. We can't trust God on one hand and not give Him praise with the other. Look with me, if you will, finally in Psalm 150. Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in the firmament of His power. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with the psaltery and harp. Praise Him with the timbrel and dance. Praise Him with the stringed instruments and organs. Praise Him upon the loud cymbals. Praise Him upon the high cymbals, high-sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. The message this morning is the last phrase and the last verse. Praise ye the Lord. Oh, that we would learn to have biblical praise. I wish we could get so stirred up in our hearts that our soul would say, Oh, I've got to go out those doors and I've got to find the first person I can and I've got to tell them about what's going on right here. My heart is full. It's overflowing. I want them to know about my God. I want them to know about His goodness. In fact, the psalmist calls it His excellent greatness. I love that. I want people to know Him. By the way, if I'm going to help others know Him, I need to make sure I know Him. Say, oh, I'd love to do that, Pastor. The question is, have you been saved today? Have you trusted Christ as your Savior? Is He your God? Can you say as the psalmist did, O God, Thou art my God? Have you put your faith and trust in Him? And if not, when are you going to do it? This life is short. Time is short. We have not the guarantee of another moment. If you're saved, you say, Brother Greg, I know I'm saved. I've trusted Christ as my Savior I've put my faith in Him. Let me ask you a question. Are we praising Him the way we ought? And if not, when are we going to do that? I'm thankful we get to spend all of eternity praising Him. I didn't used to think that was going to be very exciting until I realized that He's so inexhaustible we'll never run out of things to praise Him for. But wouldn't it be wonderful if we go ahead and get started now? There's enough we do know about God already that we could spend the rest of our lives everything that hath breath to praise the Lord. As long as I have life, as long as these lips can speak, I want to praise Him. And when breath hath left me and failed me, I get to praise Him better. 